Has anyone else tried to do a little too much in this COVID season? I tell you when I realized it. It had been a super stressful morning already, trying to do it all myself. I decided to take a break, so I took a step outside, and I started to hear a chirping noise coming from my hanging basket. And this is what I found. Beautiful, right? A sign that life goes on in the middle of a pandemic. A serene moment in the middle of a crazy day. A simple thing to cheer up my day. But then, then I did something really stupid. I decided to clip the dead parts off the plant, which would have been fine if I hadn't also decided to hang back up the hanging basket to keep the nest safe. So there I was, stretched right out on tiptoes, not getting a ladder, not asking for help, trying to do it all alone. No prizes for guessing what happened next. I killed all my plants too. Are you worried, Ev? So yes, that is my daughter Evelyn crying, Mommy killed the birdies! And my delightful husband Ellis, who chose to take a video instead of responding to my cries for help. What you don't see is me ripping the phone out of Ellis's hands and yelling at him. <laughs> it was in this moment that I realized I had been trying to do it all alone. And we are just not meant to do it all alone. I wonder if you two have tried to do it all alone at any point in the last six months. My name's Rachel. I am the Life Group Coordinator at the church. And I'm excited today to talk to you about three reasons why you can't do it alone. We're going to draw those lessons from the life of Moses, who was called by God to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt over 3,000 years ago. And as we'll see, Moses, too, was doing a little too much all by himself. He was working from dawn until dusk. He was doing way too much, and he was doing it all alone. Our text today comes from Exodus 18. Moses' father-in-law Jethro has just come for a visit. They've had a great catch-up. Moses had a chance to tell Jethro all about how God has rescued them from Egypt. Jethro has praised God. He's offered a bunch of sacrifices to God. And the next morning they wake up and Jethro plans to observe Moses on the job. We pick up the text in Exodus 18, verses 13 through 14. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Let's pray. 
Father, we ask that you would give us ears to hear the message that you have for us today. Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us the desire to obey and the courage to follow through? And Father, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit also. Would you use the words that come out of my mouth to communicate your message today? In Jesus' name, amen. So we see Moses doing his job. He is the judge, which means he judges who is right and who is wrong in a dispute. He speaks on God's behalf to the people, and he makes known God's way of living. He does this all day long, from morning until evening. He's surrounded by people on all sides, always asking him questions, and it sounds exhausting. Jephro watches all of this and asks Moses a very direct question. Why? Why are you doing it all alone? You see, Jephro could see that Moses was trying to do it all alone. And it's not just Moses who does this. I believe so often we too try to do it all alone. So today we're going to look at three reasons why you can't do it all alone. It's unhealthy, it's ineffective, and it's inconsiderate. Firstly, it's unhealthy. Jethro tells it to Moses straight. In verse 17 through 18, he says, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. It's not good for you. It's unhealthy. I wonder, have you ever felt like the burden is too much for you to carry? When our first child was almost a year old, I hit a breaking point. As I look back, I had definitely been trying to do it all alone. I was a new mom, doing it all without family nearby, and trying to support Ellis as he was training to be a pastor. Add to that the pressure of taking care of a home and various visa challenges that year, and you had a recipe for disaster. I found myself regularly curled up in a ball, crying and feeling like there was no hope. I really couldn't see how things could get better. The burden was too heavy for me. Ellis encouraged me to reach out to an older, wiser woman and ask her to be a mentor for me, which sounds like a good idea until you realize I didn't know her, and I really don't like to ask for help. But I was desperate, and so I did reach out, and we began to meet weekly. And what started out as a mentoring relationship, I can truly say now, six years later, is definitely a mutual friendship. And I am so thankful for how she has continued to be a support for me, a champion for me to pursue whatever God is calling me to. She's been a great listener, and she's been the one to ask me that hard why question when I need it. She has been my Jethro, and I am so much healthier for it. In our story, Jethro realizes it's unhealthy for Moses to do it alone. And so he advises Moses to find people who will bear the burden with him. He says, if you do this, it will be easier for you. 
We all need a Jethro because Jethro helps us to be healthy. So reason one why you can't do it all alone is because it's unhealthy. Reason two is it's ineffective. Jethro says to Moses in verse 18, you are not able to do this alone. Moses wasn't very good at his job when he tried to do it all alone. So Jethro shows Moses another way. He tells Moses to raise up leaders to share the work. Take a look at verses 21 through 22. Look for able men, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chief of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. Jethro tells Moses to delegate. But more than that, Jethro tells Moses that he wasn't effectively judging the people. In fact, you could even say that he was failing. But if Moses were to entrust some of that judging responsibility to others, he could in fact succeed at his goal of judging all the people's issues. Jethro knew that doing it by yourself is ineffective. We are more effective when we raise up others. I want you to meet someone who I think is really good at this. Rich Jasper is a coach who raises up leaders in the marketplace and in ministry in the area of life groups. He's raised up multiple life group leaders and started multiple life groups, and so I'd love for you to learn from him. Thanks so much for being here, Rich. We're really glad to have you come and do this interview today. Today, we are talking about what it means to raise up leaders. And I know that's something that you have a lot of experience in, both in the marketplace and in ministry and life groups. And that's typically how we've got to relate to one another. So I'm excited for you to get to share some of your wisdom and experience today. Um, But first, tell us a little about what it has looked like for you to be that coach who raises up leaders in the marketplace and in ministry. What has that been like? Well, in my business life, I've had the opportunity to work with exceptional people and uh, help uh, develop their leadership skills and then transition them into other leadership roles um, in the business world. And the same is true in uh, uh, life groups. So uh, I've been involved in life groups for a long time, and I've watched emerging, uh, we called them shepherds at first, and so these shepherds had sheep underneath them, and they were doing a great job of just loving their sheep. And some of those men have become uh, leaders of life groups today. So that is, to me, fun and exciting, and that's what I think God calls us to do. Hmm. It's very exciting to me, too. (laughs) I love that you do that wherever you go. Um, And I've always wanted to ask you this question, so I'm going to ask you today. I would really love to hear from you what it is that motivates you to do that, whether that's in the marketplace or in ministry. Why is it for you that you are motivated to raise up leaders? You know, uh, one of the texts that we're using in uh, one of the life groups I'm in right now is called Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And he talks about the opening sentence of that book uh, is, it's not about you. 
So I think God calls us to use the skills and the talents that he's given us and then share those with others and help develop those in others. So that's what's motivated me uh, for the entirety of my life relative to raising up leaders, whether it be in business or in ministry. And it's been, I want to help others to grow and uh, learn to love Jesus as much as I do. Mm. If you were to meet someone who said, you know, I just prefer to do it alone, that's kind of my style, what would you say to that person? Mm. I would say that take a look around you and the people who are exceptional at whatever they do, whether they're in ministry or in business or in medicine, etc., are not uh, people who do it alone. They always seek out those who are representing best practices and they want to find out what makes them better. And so that's what they would do. And so those who would say, I can do it alone, I would say, you're missing out. Um, one plus one is always more than uh, uh, two. And so in this case, seek out people who you can uh, learn from and then uh, study under them and then go implement those principles. Awesome. Some great advice. Thanks, Rich. And thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciated you being here. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. When you raise up leaders, you are more effective at what you are trying to achieve. Jethro says to Moses in verse 23, if you do this, God will direct you and you will be able to endure. If you do this, you will be more effective. So two reasons so far why you can't do this alone. It's unhealthy and it's ineffective. Thirdly, it's inconsiderate. Moses' leadership style was inconsiderate. He may not have realized it, but the way he was going about leading made it all about him. We see this in the text in two places. Firstly, the picture of Moses, the great leader, surrounded on all sides by adoring fans. I mean, people. Secondly, we see it in Moses' response to Jethro. Listen to the language that he uses. He says, because the people come to me. When they have a dispute, they come to me. I decide between one person and another, and I make them know God's laws. It's very focused on everything he is going to achieve with God. It's actually very self-focused. Jethro directs him to be more considerate of those others he can empower to leadership. He says, represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. Moreover, you should look for others to do the task with you. He specifically tells Moses to look for able men, to place those men, and to let them judge. See the difference? Moses' leadership looked like me and God. And Jethro says it needs to be you and God and others. You see, Jethro could see that Moses' leadership style was inconsiderate of those others that God might want to use. Great leaders don't do it all alone. They include others. Not just because it makes them more healthy or more effective, but because it helps those others to flourish too. Have you ever had a boss who lived life like it was all about them? 
Perhaps they were proud or controlling or just spent a lot of time talking about why they were so great and everyone should notice. In contrast, have you ever had a boss who has shared the glory, who's worked collaboratively, who's regularly sought feedback, who's genuinely seemed to root for and celebrate their employees' success? Big difference, right? By doing it alone, that first boss not only was hurting himself and his mission, he was standing in the progress and flourishing of others, standing in the way of that. And by contrast, that second boss not only allows, but enables and empowers those who work for him to grow in confidence, grow in their giftings, and grow in their opportunities for success. When Moses was doing it all alone, not only was he hurting himself and his mission, he was hurting others. By saying it was only about him and God, he was literally preventing others from growing. He was saying by his actions, I'm the guy, it's all about me. Can't be about you because it's all about me. In contrast, if he were to follow Jethro's advice about leaning into others, he could give those other people an opportunity to step into their gifting. He could use his power and influence for their benefit. In verse 18, Jethro tells Moses that going it alone is not good for him or for the people. He says, you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out. In contrast, sharing opportunities for leadership is better for everyone. As we see in verse 23, if Moses became more considerate of those he can empower to leadership, all the people would go to their place in peace. It's better for everyone. It's not good to do this alone because it's unhealthy. It's not good for you. Doing it alone is ineffective. It's not good for the mission. And doing it alone is inconsiderate. It's not good for others. This is our problem too. We get this wrong so often. We continue to try to do it all alone. And I don't think it's by accident that when Jethro says to Moses, it's not good for you to do it alone, we're reminded of these words in Genesis. You see, we were never meant to do it alone. We were designed to do life with God and with others and humans have been making the same mistake since the beginning. We keep trying to do it alone. But we were not made for a life disconnected from God, and we were not made for a life disconnected from one another. And when we keep doing life independent of God and independent of others, we end up unhealthy, ineffective, and inconsiderate people. So what's the solution? The solution is community. Community with God and community with others. We need to stop doing it all alone. It's not working very well for us, is it? You can't do it all alone, so don't. So first, community with God. 
God's solution to our inclination to do it alone was to send a person, to send Jesus. Jesus stands on your behalf, in your place, and restores you to relationship with your heavenly Father. Jesus restores you to community with God. In this story, Moses is an imperfect picture of this mediator role with God. But Jesus? Jesus is so healthy, he can bear your burdens for you. He is so effective. He is all you need to be saved. And he is so considerate. The Bible talks about him as love itself. Jesus. Jesus restores us to community with God. When I was in my early teenage years, my family were in a really rough spot. I was having a hard time at school as well, and I felt really alone. I was invited by a friend to come to church youth group, and I decided to attend youth camp that fall. And one night, a leader gave a very cheesy illustration in their talk about letting God be in the driver's seat of your life. He got some kids to come up on the stage and act out, letting God take over the steering wheel of a car. It was pretty cheesy. But as cheesy as it was, I realized in that moment that I had been trying to be in control of my whole life. I'd grown up in church. I knew all the Bible stories. But I realized in that moment that Jesus was not Lord. Jesus was not in the driver's seat in my life. And to be honest, it wasn't working very well for me. I was isolated. I was trying to fit in, and it wasn't really working. I was being unkind to the people that I wanted to be close to. I didn't really like the person that I was becoming. Truly, I was unhealthy. I was ineffective, and I was inconsiderate. I was trying to do it all alone. And that night, I admitted to God that I was failing. I admitted to God that I needed him, that I wanted things to change, I admitted I didn't even know where to start. I didn't even know if I could change. But I knew that I wanted God to be in the driver's seat of my life. I knew that I didn't want to do it alone anymore, that I wanted Jesus. And Jesus, that same Jesus who had been pursuing me my whole life, Jesus drew me close to him. He was faithful to me again that day. Jesus restored me to community with God. Jethro tells Moses if he will stop doing it all alone, God will be with him. God will direct him, and God will help him to endure. And this was exactly my experience too. Have you been trying to do it all alone without God? You need Jesus. In a moment, we're going to take some time to pray. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray with me. So first, we need community with God. And second, we need community with others. Jesus not only restores you to relationship with God, he restores you to relationship with others. He fills you with his Holy Spirit, who unites you to God, and unites you in community with other believers. 
We were never meant to do it alone. We were meant to do it with others. I want to tell you a story about someone whose life was changed. When they went from doing life alone to doing it in community with others in a life group at Chapel Hill. This guy is a friend in his 30s who went from going it alone until he had a radical transformation in community. He had a lot of questions about faith, and he had some really negative experiences of Christians, and he described himself as guarded in relationships with other people. That is until he said yes to an invitation to explore those questions at Alpha. There he found a group of people who didn't judge him, and a place where he didn't feel alone in those questions. And someone from his alpha table invited him to join their life group. And there he found a group of guys who he could learn from, be truly himself around, and a place that he realized his life experiences meant something, that God wanted to use him to help others too. This friend was going it alone until he had a radical transformation in community. He told me, and I quote, that through being in community, he has become much more open and trusting, is growing in confidence, and every week is uplifted and energized by his life group. He told me he's so grateful to have a community of guys who are there for him. This friend went from doing it alone to growing in community. If you are like me and you realize that you go through life far too independent, and you recognize that it's making you unhealthy, ineffective, or inconsiderate, I have good news for you. Jesus loves broken people. Jesus loves to save broken people. Jesus loves to connect broken people to his body of believers. And Jesus loves to fill broken people with his spirit to empower them to live differently. I'm praying for you that he would give you the courage today to take a step forward, a step away from doing life alone, and a step into community. So here's how you find community at Chapel Hill. If you're not yet in a life group, I want you to join a life group today. If you're worshiping online, you'll find a link in the description of this video. And if you're worshiping in person, you can fill out the weekly check-in form and let me know that way. I would love to help support you in finding community in a life group at Chapel Hill. We have over 100 groups meeting at all different times of day, and they're meeting both online and offline in person in this season. Those groups can't wait to include you in community. So please, join a life group. And if you're already in a life group, here's what I want you to do. I want you to commit with your group to have a conversation Have a conversation about what your group can do to make a place for others to experience this kind of community. Maybe that looks like inviting some people to join your life group this fall. Maybe it looks like raising up a leader. Maybe it looks like launching a second group. Whatever your next step, I want to support you in doing that. Just let me know if you'd like me to join you for that conversation. We all need restored community with God 
and with others. But we can't do it on our own. So will you join me in asking God to help us? Father, we admit that we get this wrong so often. We admit that we've been trying to do this alone. We've been trying to do this without you. We've been trying to do this without others. And we admit that we are often unhealthy. We are often ineffective and we are often inconsiderate. And we want that to change. But Father, we know that we can't do this in our own strength. We've tried. Father, we thank you that you did all that was necessary to save us. You sent a person. You sent Jesus. And so, Jesus, we put our trust in you. Jesus, we believe that you are enough. Jesus, we believe you have more than enough power to correct our brokenness. So, Jesus, would you fill us with your spirit? We beg you. We ask that you would connect us back to God. Would you connect us back to community? Would we walk away from this place changed by the power of your Holy Spirit? We surrender ourselves to you now and we trust and we expect and we are joyful about the fact that things will be different. Thank you, Father, for providing us with these other believers. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people you've put in our lives. Thank you for our Jethro's. Thank you for our life groups. Thank you for our church body. Father, we commit ourselves, we commit this church to you. We ask that you do all of this for your glory. In Jesus' name.